All right. Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to thank everybody that's watching us right now on Facebook Live and whoever's going to watch us throughout the week through our website. Thank you for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. We are uh, part two. We kicked off a series last week called planted, right? We talked about the purpose of planted. And here's the thing. Uh, we plant and we bury things the same way. And so maybe today you feel buried. You, you feel like you've hit a dead end in, in, in your life, right? Because when we bury things, what do we, we bury dead things and we bury things that we want to hide. And so maybe you feel like maybe God has forgotten about you today. Or that you just kind of hit a dead end in your spiritual growth or even life in general. Here's, here's the good news today. If you're here in this room or watching us uh, online, God has planted you today. Come on, come on. Say with me today. I am planted, not buried. Come on, one more time. I'm planted, not buried. It's just a perspective change today when, when we understand that God has planted us because God always, when, whatever God plants, he always plants with purpose. You've been planted with purpose. And here's the expectation when you've been planted by God is that you will grow. That we will grow. But many times it's the things underneath the surface, right? We watched that video from that little plant, right? Many times God is doing things underneath the surface that nobody else sees before we get our breakthrough. But God always wants us to get a breakthrough, right? He always wants us to, to flourish and grow. That's what, what it is about being planted. God always has a purpose when he plants us. And you have been planted here today. We're planted, not buried. And so last week, part one was planted in hope. Planted in hope. And the reason why uh, I started there is because we need to get our hope up. Many times the, the enemy is not attacking our faith. He's actually attacking our hope. Because many times our hope levels affect our faith levels. And if our hope level is low... We're probably not even praying about some things that we should pray about, or we're, we're praying prayers that God doesn't even want to answer. So we had to get our hope up. In the two areas specifically where, where the enemy attacks is our patience in God and our confidence in God. And so last week, we just needed to get our confidence back, that God's got a purpose. God's got a plan for our life. And we need to get patient and wait for God to move. Because last week we talked about Abraham and Sarah, and they went outside of the will of God, and they made a big mistake, right? But even through our mistakes, we are not the mistake, right? Just because we make mistakes, we're not the mistake. And God still fulfilled his purpose and his promise through Abraham and Sarah. He still wants to fulfill the promise in you today. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching good, and we haven't even prayed yet. Part two today, planted in faith, planted in faith. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every person that's been planted in here. God, I thank you for the purpose and potential that you've placed in them, Lord. God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, you would open our hearts and open our minds for the word that you have for us today. God, help me deliver it the best that I can. And God, we just pray today that you would help us defeat the bears. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Gotta have hope, right? 
<laughs> planted in, in faith. Come on, let's, let's get into God's word today. Hebrews 11, 1 says this, faith is the confidence, and we talked about this from the hope angle last week. We're going to talk about it from the faith angle this week. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And so if you can see it today, it's probably not faith. That's the thing with with, with faith. We're, We're believing for something that God has yet, he hasn't done yet. And we should, that's why last week we started with hope. Because my hope is that your hope levels would rise up and you would begin to pray the prayers. You would begin to believe for big things in your life. Uh, during services, and this is the benefit of coming to second service, um, this lady w- reminded me uh, of something in my life. Uh, for about seven years, I, I drifted from God and I did drugs and, and I was completely uh, away from my family. And uh, I had two grandmothers. I had two grandmothers that never stopped praying for me. And I believe that that their, because of their faith, this is their evidence of me standing on this stage today. Because they never gave up. For seven years, I did drugs and partied. And they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. But they still believed. And I know many of you, many of you on your journey with Jesus, right? You've been believing for things and man, maybe it's a healing or whatever it is. And you've seen God give you that evidence. And, and man, we should always be living our lives in faith. So, so how important is faith? How important is faith? Hebrews eleven six, a couple passages down. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Pretty important, right? It's pretty important. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Faith is pretty important. So what, is it, what does it look like to be planted in faith? What, what does it look like to be planted in faith? We're going to read from the book of James today. James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he was the sarcastic brother, and so I like him the best. And you're going to see what I'm talking about in his passage. But James is writing his book. He's writing his book uh, to mostly Christians, people that have already made a decision to follow Christ. So let's read it. James 2. 18 through 20, James says this. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Here we go. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Like, come on. Sarcastic brother. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now, remember, James is talking to a group of people that have already made a decision to follow Jesus, right? And he's saying, okay, guys, like, at some point, we need to move past demon faith, right? Like, the demons know Jesus, and they're, they're afraid. And so James is like, at some point, we need, we need to move past this because faith, faith looks like something. Matthew Henry, uh, I love his commentary. He's a scholar. 
and I, I read almost everything that he, he writes, and he, he specifically has a, a, a specific example for this passage in James that he uses, and he says it's like charity. He uses the example of charity, so I'm going to expand on that today. Because I know many of you guys love charity. You run the 3K races, the 5K races. The t- you, you, you like charity and, and uh, you know, bringing awareness to, to worthy cause. So let, let, let's say you're all into charity, okay? You, you volunteer at a charity on Thursday and, and you help, uh, you know, bring awareness to, to a good cause. And let's say you're, you're, organi- you're, you're help organizing a race on Saturday and you meet somebody. You know, they, you're wearing a charity shirt, and they say, hey, uh, um, are you part of a charity? And you say, yeah, I'm, I'm part of a, a charity. And, and, and this person says to you, I love charity. Like, I am the most charitable person I know. Like, I love charity. I love charity so much, I am going to name myself Mr. Charity. <laughs> and you're like, awesome. You're in luck. We have a race this weekend for charity. And we would love for you to, to join us. And then Mr. Charity says, man, uh, man I am so excited. I'm going to bring all my family and friends. I'm going to get, get them to, to, to sponsor. And, and we're going to give money. And I'm going to personally write a check to this charity. Man, they, well, well, what time do you need me there? And you're like, well, we're setting up at 8 o'clock. And they say, well, I'll be there at 745 with coffee and donuts. You're like, awesome. Saturday comes. No Mr. Charity. 8 o'clock. No Mr. Charity. No coffee and donuts. 9 o'clock. No Mr. Charity. The race begins. It's over. You didn't see Mr. Mr. Charity never showed up. Thursday for, for your volunteer awareness. You invited Mr. Charity. Mr. Charity. He doesn't show up Thursday. No check was written by Mr. Charity. Now you're a charitable person. Right? You're a charitable person. You would say Mr. Charity, even though he has charity in his name, is not charitable, right? Because you know charitable. You, you are charitable. So let's replace, in that story, let's replace charity with faithful. Ooh, that one stung. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, pastor. Let's replace that word charity with faithful. You see, faithfulness has to look like something. There has to be action attached to our faith. Listen, most of us in this room, for me, I'm I'm a recovering, um, I used to hate Christians, okay? So I'm recovering from hating Christians, right? And the reason why I hated Christians for so long in my life is because I felt like there was nothing attractional about them. Listen, guys, we have an opportunity to be different, we have a, an opportunity to be a church that is, that is different, right? And so how can you say that you're faithful when you're not faithful to God's house? How, how can you say that you're faithful when you don't serve God's house or you don't give financially to God's house or you don't support God's Like how? You don't, you're not in your word and you're not praying and you're, you're not faithful at work. You're not faithful at home like Faithfulness looks, looks like something. Jesus talks about this too. And the reason why James and Jesus talk about this in such a direct manner is because your faithfulness affects someone else's eternity.
Just, just let that sentence settle into your heart for a moment. Your faithfulness matters. It matters how you're, you're faithful at home and at work. It, your faithfulness affects someone else's eternity. Jesus says it like this in Matthew seven fifteen through 17. He says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruits. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. That is by the way they what? Act. Jesus says, man, faithfulness looks like something. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The answer is no. Okay. The answer is no. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Let's continue. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Dang, Jesus. Woo! Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their what? Jesus says your, your faithfulness has to look like something. You, you can talk about being faithful and, and just like Mr. Charity, but your faith, faithfulness looks like actions. Guys, we have an opportunity to be different, right? We, we have the opportunity to not be the angry Christian at work, right? That cusses everybody out. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have the opportunity to be different. Because Jesus says people should, should know you by your fruit, should, should know you by your, your actions. People should see Jesus in us. So Jesus gathers his disciples, and, and, and Jesus' ministry is, is starting to grow, and, and he gathers the 12, but Jesus also had 72 other disciples that, that followed him, and, and he gathers them all up, and he just begins to pray over them, and he specifically sends them out with the authority to cast out demons and to heal people. Okay, and so he sends them out, and they're running around everywhere, casting demons out of people, healing people, and they're just doing it, right? They're doing it. And then they, they come up on this little boy and his dad, and this little boy was, had a demon in him. And, and so the disciples, just like they did before, they're, they're, they're trying to cast this demon out of this boy, and they can't. And so the dad's like, hey, can I talk to your manager? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have an issue, you know, with the employee, you go to the manager and like, um, I need to see your supervisor. And so they, they go get Jesus and Jesus comes and, and he casts the demon out of the boy. And so later on, Jesus is walking with his disciples and they're like, Jesus, what, you know, what, what's up? Like, why couldn't we, why couldn't we do that? And this is the explanation that Jesus gives them. Matthew seventeen twenty. He says, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. You see, with faith, everything is possible. But without faith, everything is impossible, right? And, and, and now Jesus isn't speaking literal here, okay? Jesus isn't saying if we have small faith, we can become an X-Men character or an Avenger that, that picks up mountains. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what Jesus is literally speaking. Go ahead and put that picture up of the mustard seed. Okay. 
That little black dot is a mustard seed. I think Jesus carried mustard seeds in his pocket everywhere. I, I do. Because he talks about mustard seeds all throughout the gospel. And we're going to continue to talk about that. And, and, and so it's just a great analogy. And maybe he pulled it out of his pocket and he said, guys, look at this. Look at this. Look at this mustard seed. Look how small it is. And I'm sure they're walking and he points to the biggest thing that he sees. And he sees a mountain. He says, you see that mountain? If you have faith the size of this, you can tell that mountain to move. What is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about whatever the biggest crisis in your life, whatever the biggest problem is in your life is not bigger than God. And as long as you have just a little bit of faith, whatever that problem is, whatever that issue is, God is going to move you through that problem together. Now, the point, right, the point isn't that we stay, leave it up one more second, thank you, the point isn't that we stay this tiny little seed, right, because the seed gets planted, right, and and when the seed is in good, man, when the seed is planted in good soil, that seed begins to grow, and the seed ends up becoming this massive tree, right, that produces lots of fruit. And so the idea isn't that we we stay this tiny little seed. The idea is that the seed gets planted, and our faithfulness turns into we become a blessing to other other people. So Jesus is pretty direct about faith, right? And I don't know if you're like me, but I always wonder, I'm like, how much faith is actually, like, how do I, how do we measure that, right? Like, how, how do I measure how much faith is in that tiny little mustard seed? And so I, I've got a different analogy for you today. And my hope is that uh, this analogy uh, brings you a little bit more understanding of this relationship with faith with us and God. Now, this particular story, okay, this particular story, Jesus, again, Jesus is getting popular, right? And, and people from all over the world are bringing their friends and their family members to just, to just touch Jesus, right? They want Jesus to pray for them. They just, they just want to hear everything that Jesus has to say. And so there were some parents that had some bad kids. And they're like, maybe Jesus can make our kids good. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he can pray over them and they'll start eating their vegetables, right? And so they're like, come on, let's get our kids and have Jesus pray over them. And so there's all these kids, right? And they're being kids and they're loud and noisy. They're wiping their boogers on Peter's robe. You know what I mean? Like, Peter's like, what is going on here? Like, let's get these kids out of here. They're distracting. They're loud. They're messy. Like, let's get them out. And so Jesus sees this, and this is his response. He says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was, he was angry. You, you, don't, you don't want to get Jesus angry. He was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom, look at this, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Let's continue. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and blessed them. Okay, so Jesus isn't talking about immature faith, right? 
he's not talking about the immaturity of a child. He's talking about the trust level between a child and a parent. Now, I know some of you, it's hard whenever I talk about God being a father because some of you didn't have good dads, okay? You didn't have a good earthly example. Maybe they were there and abusive. Maybe they were there, but they weren't really there. They were mentally checked out or, or maybe you didn't have a dad. And so I know that this can be a struggle for you, but I'm hoping today that I can, I can show you what faith looks like with a trusting father because our father is perfect, okay? We have, no matter how good or bad your earthly father is, we have a perfect heavenly father that loves us so, so much, okay? So Jude has volunteered to help me preach today. Come on, Jude. You ready for round two? You are? Okay. So this is Jude. He's eight. Everything that Jude has, I've given it to him, even his good looks. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Ha ha! He actually looks more like his mom. But anyway, <laughs> everything, everything he has comes from, comes from his father. And um, Jude knows because we have, a, we have a personal relationship, right? We have a personal relationship. Um, he knows that I, even today that I'm not going to harm him. I'm not going to hurt him. Uh, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass him, right? And and he he believes that because the trust, because we have a personal relationship, because the trust that I have shown him. Okay, so let's pretend this works better first service, but let's pretend that Jude has never seen this this stool before. Okay, let's pretend you've never seen this stool before. This stool represents faith in God. Okay, this stool. And I tell Jude, Jude, this stool has been made for you. This stool has been created to hold your weight. Now, he doesn't know that, right? He's never sat on this stool. Let's just say he's never sat on this stool before, okay? He's never seen this stool before. This stool isn't like, it doesn't look like the most sturdiest, you know, stools that are out there, right? And, and so, you know, maybe he's a little apprehensive, because he didn't see that his dad backstage sat on it and made sure that it was sturdy enough for him to sit on it. If it holds my weight, it's going to hold his weight, right? Guys, this is, this is what it looks like to have faith in God. This is what it looks like to trust God. He doesn't know if this thing can hold his weight until he sits on it. Go ahead, dude. Sit on the stool. It held him, Right? It did what it was designed to do. But Jude didn't experience it until he did what? Until he put his whole weight on it. That's what it's like to trust God. We, yeah, we, we don't know if, if this job that he's calling us to take is the job that he's calling us to. But we have to put our whole weight into it to find out. That's what faith is with Jesus. And some of us, some of us, this is what we're trying to do. Some of us, this is what we're trying to go through life and we're, 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 we're trying to half-cheek God. <laughs> right? We're like, we're like, maybe if I just put a little cheek down and, and just test the waters a little bit and 
see if it's sturdy enough. And, and, and you never experience the fullness of the purpose and plan that God has for your life because you never put your full weight in it. Well, 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 God, why? Why haven't you brought me somebody yet? Listen, you're not all in. You're half-cheeking the gospel. You're half-cheeking your relationship with God. God's like, come on, put your full weight in it. I got a purpose and a plan for your life, but you're not going to experience it unless you put all your weight in what God is, God is saying. You're doing great. We're almost done. <laughs> you guys remember, I think there, there's, a, there's a poem that was popular in the 80s or 90s. It's called Footprints in the Sand. My, parent, or my grandparents, I'm pretty sure they had it uh, on, their, in, on their bathroom wall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, and, and it was a pretty cool poem. And uh, basically the poem is this person had a dream right? And they're walking in the sand and there's two footprints, right? He's talking to the Lord in his dream and there's, there's two footprints and all of a sudden two goes to one. There's one, one set of footprints and the person's like, man, like, Lord, it seemed like when I was going through my hardest times, you know, you left me, right? And because there's only one, one set of footprints and, and the Lord's like, no, I, I, I carried you through. Now remember, this is a guy's dream. I carried you through, Okay. Nice poem, right? Nice poem. Terrible theology, okay? Nice poem, terrible, terrible theology. Because this is some of us, this is our issue, okay? This is our issue, is that we, we think that somehow God is magically, magically, come on, magically going to pick us up and carry us where we need to go. And so we're, we're, we're sitting on our couch, binge-watching Netflix Waiting for God. God, I, I don't know what life group I'm supposed to go in, but I'm going to sit here, eat Doritos on the couch and wait for you to magically carry me. God, I, I don't know what job or career you want me to do, so I'm just going to I'm just going to sit here in my lazy boy and wait for you magically to, to, to send my resume to somebody. God, I don't know what church I'm supposed to go to. You're here today. Like, you Googled it. You got good reviews. I don't know how more obvious I can be. Like, I planted you. But God, who do you want me to marry? I'm just going to sit here and, and just wait for you to magically... God, listen. Listen. Jesus actually says the opposite. He says, pick up your own cross and follow me. No, no, no. I, I can't carry your cross. Only you can carry. I created you with a purpose. I've created you with a plan that only you can fulfill. You have a destiny that only you can fulfill. You have talents and gifts that only you can fulfill. There's people's eternity that only you can touch, that you can change. called you to carry your own cross I can't bear that cross for you I've created you to carry your own now this is a better 
This is a better analogy of how God does life with us. Okay? He doesn't carry us. But he's with us. No matter what we're going through, he's right beside us. And, 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 and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like, right? One step. One step. One step. One step. One step. One step. Even if it gets hard. Even if there's struggles, right? It's still this. He's still this. One step. One step. One step. One step. One step. He's right there with us. Now look, 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 look. There is a pace to this, right? There's a pace the way we're stepping, right? And with every step, don't miss this today, don't miss it today. With every step, with every pace, there is a grace. With every pace, there is a grace. There is the grace of God in every pace that we take, every step we take. Listen, we can't be all that God has called us to be without the grace of God. The grace of God empowers us to take these paces with God because God is right beside us. He's walking with us in everything that we go through. Man, you did great. Thank you. And, and somewhere along the lines, we, we, we thought that God should transport us someplace. No. If you want to get connected... And that's God's desire for you. You have to walk back to a table and sign up. If you want to be part of what God is doing in this house, you need to go back to the Welcome Center and sign up for a serve team. If you want to be faithful, yes, you're going to have to write a check and start to tithe. But go online and start to give. Faithfulness looks like something, but we've got to do our part. We've got to do our part. And, and, and remember, man, you're going to mess up. There's going to, doubt's going to come in, right? Doubt does not disqualify us from the purpose of God. Mistakes don't disqualify us from the purpose of God. That's why there is a grace in every single pace. Perfection is not the goal. Faithfulness is. Perfection is not the goal. Faithfulness is, Right? The righteousness falls seven times. But what happens? They get up because they're faithful. They know that they're not perfect, that they're going to make mistakes. But in every pace is the grace of God. The reason why I, I preach messages like this, and, and I know they sting a little bit, okay? I know they sting a little bit. But as your pastor... When you pass from this life, every single person will stand in front of God. And in that moment, I hope God says these words to you. And that is, good and faithful servant. Do you notice those words? God doesn't address anything else in our life but our faithfulness and how we served. I want all of you stand before God and hear those words good and faithful servant I want you to live a life that you understand that God is right by you and even when we make mistakes man God's grace is in that pace even when we fall he's like come on get up I'm right there with you come on let me help you up let's keep doing this together I got a hope I got a future for your life 
Come on, let's get planted in faithfulness today. Let me tell you, there's nothing that changes your life like inviting somebody to church that doesn't know Jesus. And at the end of the service, they raise their hand. I'll tell you, that that will wreck you. When you see your faithfulness change someone else's eternity, you understand this is why I've been created. This is why I've been designed the way I've been designed. Because listen, guys, there is no other plan. We're it. We're the plan. God's not sending angels to, to, to start teaching the gospel. God, God's not going to make your dog go, go, go around the neighborhood and, and preaching the gospel. Your, your cat's not going to start baptizing people at your workplace. We're it. We're it. And here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Let the center in your heart. God believes in you. He has entrusted us with this. And he knows that you're able to complete the work that he's designed you to complete. Come on, let's get planted in faith today. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we go into our response time, maybe today you would say, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I need to make that first step of faithfulness and I need to commit my life to Jesus. Or maybe you'd say, Pastor, I've drifted from God. I've drifted and I've gone away. I need to make a recommitment to follow you, to be faithful to you because I want, I want all that you have for my life. Again, every head bowed, every eyes closed. I just want you to raise your hand if that's you today. I just want to pray with you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. And I just ask that we would all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on that cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.